millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Daddy Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to look back on everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT, but also pay-per-views, premium live events, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. So, gents, we are here to not talk about this rampage, baby, uh, but to talk about <laughs> hey, oh, a lot of wrestling on this show. The go-home show ahead of In Your House, of course. I'm going to be really kind here. I think this was kind of the platonic ideal of what NXT 2.0 is and yes. should be, right? None of the wrestling was out of this world great, except for flashes in the main event. Like, and Was this the best wrestling show of the week? No. Well, but, it was. Better than Raw. And last one we were reviewing, so technically. But the... I'm just going to try and talk past that. But the good stuff... Featuring the wrestlers, <laughs> he's in wanker. Featuring the wrestlers that are already good enough to be beyond this was really great, and they're showing themselves why they're kind of beyond this developmental level. And the developmental matches were developmentally good. Yes, you could see people coming along, you could see people progressing. Nothing that you're ever going to watch again. Nothing that you mm. would do backflips over. No, well, meeting on the boat. No, no disasters. No like in ring disasters. I know that sounds like a low bar, but as we kind of say, this is this is now a developmental show that yes. accidentally continues to find itself on television. The silliness whilst absurd, and I look forward to your in-depth recaps, <laughs> as he knocks the microphone over in excitement, was in service of the stories they've been telling and not completely egregious. And the stupidest thing they've got, which is less than ideal because it's the, the world title, list of the top belt, was kept to a minimum. I thought this is what ideally every NXT 2.0 should be. I'd probably be sad if it did this every week because then we wouldn't have anything bollocks to preview. They got this one right. They got this episode right. I kind of agree. <laughs> there were two things on this show, right, that I thought were very, very good indeed. Mm-hmm. One of which is measured against the curve of WWE storytelling, but it was shockingly good by that standard. The other was legitimately world-class, elite-tier, <laughs> professional goddamn wrestling worked on one side of the ring by a man 
who is holding, as we speak, the potential to one day be the best professional wrestler on the planet. And by that, I mean the Will Ospreay kind, not mm-hmm. the MGF kind. I don't think the guy's going to be an all-rounder. He might have hitherto unseen personality, um, but in terms of pure in-ring, get your five stars of Big Dave, Mike Nathan Frazier yes. is unbelievable. Oh, my God. My God. My head is hard. <laughs> That's when he's going to become the all-rounder when they give him the gimmick. Yeah. When he gets his gimmick, that's what he's missing. Right, let's dive straight into it then, seeing as we are high on this show. The show opened up uh, with the tag team champions in action against two members of Diamond Mine. Uh, I think it's the debut match, isn't it? It's for Damon Kemp. He's probably done some level-up. Yeah. Level-up. Roderick Strong was with him, of course. Beforehand, we saw them... the bubble when Sonic can't breathe underwater. Level-up. What? Uh, we saw Diamond and mine having a meeting backstage and Strong tells uh, Ivy Nile and the Creed brothers, you know what, bollocks to you, have the night off, stay backstage, we don't need you. And uh, Niall asks, what's going on, guys? And uh, Julius Creed says, well, just then this can all work out. Anyway, in the match, uh, Damon Kemp was sort of like struggling initially, what Roderick Strong does, what Roderick Strong does best. And that's, yeah, make other people look good because he's mint. He's one of the best wrestlers they've got, arguably, in NXT 2.0 right now. In the whole company. Yes. <laughs> uh, in comes Damon Kemp, though, and he struggles initially. So um, Roderick Strong fixes that by slapping him as hard as he can across the face. This fires him up, uh, and he explodes out of the, the corner, suplexes everything in sight. Um, Diamond Mind are in control now as a result of that. Stereo backbreakers on the tag champs as we go to a break, but when we come back, Pretty Deadly have taken over. They're beating up uh, Damon Kemp but he manages to tag out. Strong gets the hot tag, runs wild. Again, Vince McMahon's just remembered what a hot tag is after, what, (laughs) 20-odd years. Um, Kemp is still down selling what happened earlier. He tries to get back up on the apron, gets shoved into the ring steps. In amongst all this, the tag team belts are introduced. They try to cheat with the referee distracted, but the Creeds run down to the ring. Julius Creed takes the shot as Roderick Strong ducks out of the way. He uh, O'Connor rolls one of the tag champs. I can't remember which one it was, uh, but they kick out, and in the midst of all this, Brutus Creed is yelling about what's just happened to Strong. That distracts him. He turns around into spilt milk from Pretty Deadly. One, two, Three. Pretty deadly are a quite a basic act, really. Yes, like, boy. Yes, boy. They've got that. And, you know, they're, I wouldn't say their fundamentals are great. I like their ring outfits they're, they're, as well. Yeah, the gear is awesome. The gear is fantastic. But, they, like, but they're basic in the sense that they're just sort of, they're good heel base guys for other things happening, whether that be great wrestling or a big angle, as was the case here, the continued collapse of the diamond mine. And then when they win and they get away with another one, you kind of like you absolutely like you feel something for the team that is eventually going to beat them and dethrone them. They're good heel champions in that respect because they don't feel like just you know WB when they're, they're only really telling one wrestler's story, they kind of forget about the people on mm. the other side of the ring. Pretty deadly at least stealing a focus that you like it's about them too. This is what they should have done with grizzled young veterans. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, yeah, I know you try and wear them into everything, but in this case, that's accurate. Like they're an absolutely a team. Yeah, yeah, that can that deserve and would be able to take some of the attention away. So it's not just this one-sided WWE can only do one thing at once thing. In this case, the thing they were trying to do with the Diamond Mine, I thought, was really effective. Mm. Kind of been critical of like Kemp being too boring to possibly exist as a pro wrestler, let alone in this ridiculous universe in NXT 2.0, and yet that first. Is it a, it's the drop step, isn't it, when he cuts underneath? Like drop, drop step. Drops. Or 
a penetration step. Right. Like that first one did exactly what it was supposed to do because I found it utterly exhilarating. Yes. Like it's this is fake this. But for a second you'd be like, wait a minute, can he go now? <laughs> like I was completely sucked in by that first one. And then it's like, right, we're off to the races. I thought this was super effective use of that. Strong continuing to lose the diamond mind. I think this is probably the best week yet mm. for that story yes. as well. It doesn't it doesn't feel quite like forced fake wrestling now. The motivations are a little bit clearer and obvious and good backstage stuff later on as well. Yeah. I, all, all pretty effective. The match was absolutely nout to write home about, yeah. but this was genuinely decent. I'm not gonna use the actual word. This was decent dovetailing <laughs> stuff with like just genuinely quite strong character work. Like I usually have a perverse smile when I'm watching NXT 2 by her. But I had a kind of a, an actual, hey, that's pretty funny smile when the uh, the stupid, like, it's quasi-problematic, the Pretty Deadly act, but their sort of giddy insistence that they'd out-wrestled the, uh, the stupid meathead boring guy. Like, yeah, I wrestled him. We out-wrestled <laughs> him. That was funny. That was yeah. good heel work. Then the Roderick Strong slap sparked Damon Kemp, fail brother, into action. And he actually looked like, at the very least, someone vaguely capable of doing a hot tag one day mm. and a tag team if and when they want to keep Stevenson around and keep him happy. By all accounts, he's asked to go back to amateur wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> or he's floated it in the media. And I might go back to that. It's like he's going to fail. It's going to be hilarious. But that was like genuinely, I smiled a pretty deadly. I popped at the the array of power moves, and the finish made the thing happen that was always going to happen in a not exactly terrible and obviously telegraphed way. A success. A decent dovetailing success. Yeah, and it was followed backstage by... He's getting ready for his match later on. Uh, Solo Sokoa walks in, says he's got his back if, if Mello and Trick Williams, who are going to be on commentary, decide to do anything. Uh, he reminds us that he's got next. Okay, you've said it enough. Slap should be a tag, though. That's mm. been established yeah, good point. in wrestling with the Diamond Mind particularly. That's a very good point. That was just a motivational slap rather yeah. than a tag slap. Uh, anyway, in comes Duke Bloody Hudson, uh, who says, oh, I, I should be the number one contender for the NXT Championship because I beat Braun Breaker last week. Beaten by DQ, as, as I think uh, Solo pointed out. Anyway, Grimes walks off and says, nice haircut, basically. <laughs> and... Uh, there's a back and forth between Solo and uh, Hudson. Um, Hudson says he's not on his level. Solo says, well, why don't we deal with it tonight? And the, the matches were not made then and there, but Duke says, we'll see what I can do. And I go, yeah, I'll probably find some time for this later on. Um, nothing to write home about here. So instead, let's talk about Grace and Bloody Waller just slagging off some people <laughs> sat around backstage and uh, bigging up Tiffany Stratton. All right, mate, calm it down. Um, Getting a bit too keen, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> He's the, isn't he the meant to be the, the ladies' man? Wasn't that one of his things? That was one of his things, yeah. He's got previous in this. Yeah. Anyway, he, uh, he has a go at Fallon Henley, uh, calls her the horse girl, <laughs> says that her and her mate's going to have to go back to where they belong. Slags them off loads. Anyway, in comes John... It's not Boris Johnson. It's the other one. Yeah. John J- Brigson. J- Jaden Brigson. That's one. He uh, And he... Yes, it's one of those things. He's slagging someone off and they're, oh, they stood right behind me, aren't they? And... Uh, Brick says, I will give you a country ass whipping tonight, mate. (laughs) (laughs) He did say that. Yeah, he absolutely did say that. Um, Fine. I preferred the stupid, daft cartoon character women's segment stuff than I did the stupid, daft cartoon character North American title stuff. I think that 
mid-card title scene is absolutely tepid. <laughs> I cannot bear anyone in it at this point. Sick of all of them. Need this pay-per-view, to, uh, this pay-per-view, this in your house to be out the way on, I don't know, and I don't think, I don't care that Solo Sukkot has got next because I don't care about that either. <laughs> it's a, like just a boring and bland scene. Yeah. Somebody desperate, like, desperately needs somebody new or interesting, ideally from this show's main event to just be dropped into that to make it more exciting. Uh, right, put your feet up, boys. It's time for the uh, sit down on the yacht. One of the highlights of the show, this for me. One of the highlights of the year, if I'm honest. Uh, so Tony D and his crew, uh, they arrive on Santos Escobar. Well, they arrive on a yacht, not necessarily Santos Escobar's yacht. Uh, they're going to have a, this meeting that we weren't sure whether it was going to happen now or in your house. It was that badly organised. Um, anyways, there to meet Lagoda Del Fantasma and the uh, the two two goons, Stacks and Two Dimes, like, hey, Tony, is this it? It's got to be, boss. It's the biggest yacht on the dock. And uh, Tony says, hey. Uh, <laughs> Why he says it like that? Keep your uh, eyes and ears open, all right? Uh, keep your head in a swivel. Anything can happen. And then uh, in comes Legado. I've forgotten his name. Not Cruz del Toro. Has he still got his old name now? Got his original name. Joaquin Wilde, is it? Uh, yeah. Oh, do the changes as well? I don't know. But he, he comes in looking resplendent. Loved his 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 look here. Actually, loved all of them. Um, but anyway, yeah, Tony's like, "Hey, you're late." And uh, Electra Lopez tells the boat driver uh, to take him somewhere nice. And then there's captain. Some, captain. Yeah, the, yeah. Then there's some. Oh, let's be honest. Stock footage of a yacht <laughs> driving out of some marina or something. Um, and Santos asks, "What business they're even here for? What they're here to address?" And then he makes a joke about AJ Galante, and uh, Tony says, "Oh." Mr. Comedian, huh? Well, I already discussed my things with AJ. Santos, you and I both know that this was going to turn into a tour of war. If you sit across that table from me with that smug motherfucking look on your face, walking around in your thousand dollar suits, thinking you're better than everybody else, huh? Emperor of his own empire, huh? Well, listen, I don't trust you. I don't respect you. And if you were dying of thirst in the desert, I wouldn't give you a lick of water. You understand what I'm saying to you? Piss, I think. Yeah. <laughs> was the uh, show text. We very literally <laughs> not. It was a uh, show text. There. Not a wicked pisser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, more on that, by the way. Uh, wicked pisser stuff on the Dynamite preview mm. later on today. So make sure you listen to that. Anyway, Santos isn't shocked by all this. He says, Tony stabbed everyone in the front and stood on our backs to get to the bread store or something. He says he knows a snake when he sees one. And he says... And you, Paisan, you're a cobra. But out in the jungle, I'm a python, and I'd love nothing more than to squeeze the life out of you. Uh, I don't know what that means. I know what the python stuff means, but I don't know. if Do pythons and cobras have a fight? Well, I'd, and I think the cobra would win. This is a stupid way of trying to put the opponent over. Yeah. Like, you might be a cobra, but I'm a python. Paisan, python. <laughs> anyway. It's a sequel to the goddamn karate kid. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Tony D says, uh, why don't we settle this then? And all the goobers are like, hey, boys, I want to fight that schmuck over there. And he's like, <laughs> Same with the, the rest of Legado. And the, they both tell them to stop. And Santos says, uh, sorry, then Tony D says, uh, so what are we going to do, El Jefe? And uh, Electra Lopez says, oh, why would you do this? What's in it for, for Santos? What's in it for all of us? And he goes, eh, senorita, the sun shines on a dog's ass once in a while. And I was like, what? <laughs> Where's this come from? Probably Sopranos, season four, episode three. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. It just is so out of the blue. And then he's like, well, look at the tape. Your guy hit me with a pair of brass knucks. And Santos laughs and says, oh, now you want to play by the rules. Come on, give me a, give me a better offer. He goes, okay, big man. You want to up the stakes? 
Well, seeing as how our guys want a slice of the action, in your house, six-man tag team match. Oh, you're paying attention now. Good. Now look into my eyes when I'm speaking to you, you prick. <laughs> I love this. Stacks, two dimes, and Tony D versus Legado Del Fantasma. If we win, you come into the D'Angelo family under my direction. <laughs> and if you win, we'll come into your family under your direction. How's that sound? And Santo says, well, sounds enticing, but why, why are you doing this? Why are you making a bet <laughs> that you could never win? He says, see, Santos, when you're the Don, you make moves that no one else can see. But I wouldn't expect you to understand something like that. And Santo says, look, all I see stood in front of me right now is the three newest members of Legado del Fantasma. And Tony fires back. <laughs> you know what? I like this yacht. I think maybe I'm going to use it as a celebration after our victory on Saturday. The streets are going to be talking about how Tony D's crew took over the Legados and the family gained a few more foot soldiers. And one of the goons goes, hey, Tony, looks like we might need a bigger boat. (laughs) (laughs) And Tony says, so so, we got a deal or what? And they square up to each other and they shake on it. And Santa says, now get off my yacht. And the match is made official for in your house. I bloody love this. Amazing recap. Well done. Well done. Fantastic Thank recap. Thank you. I, right, well so done. I, I love the stakes. I didn't see this coming. I love the stakes. Like, I am so buzzing for the uh, xenophobic cultural appropriation, regardless of who wins or loses. Yes, exactly. It's going to be unbelievable watching either of these two, like, have to interact with one side or the other. Fantastic. Um, all the illusions of things like, you know, murder, family businesses, all that sort of stuff to lead to... Tackle drop down headlock. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's it's become so far removed from wrestling that they almost forgot to the point where one of my interventions, six man tag, it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, stupid fake, very very bland developmental wrestling is going to fix all this. Like rather than people being buried at sea, but stakes legitimately great. Didn't see it coming. Cannot wait for the outcome. Can't call it. It can't. Well, it can't fail. It sort of doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's going to be very. Like it's going to be full of skits. It no longer matters that this kind of half in, half out babyface turn of Tony D'Angelo. That now is kind of irrelevant because we're going to get these six together. It's going to be wacky, regardless of which way it goes. I, I like where we've arrived at. Genuinely, like it's just too much for me. This it's, <laughs> it's just too much for me. This. It's one thing to not do wrestling on a wrestling show. I probably should have realized this as a lifelong wrestling fan of 36 years old <laughs> in an industry dominated by WWE for all but most of it. Uh, but, like, if you're going to do not wrestling, do the not wrestling thing good. And, like, can you imagine this dialogue? Can you imagine this scene? Can you imagine the storyline? Can you imagine these characters, this delivery, this cinematography, this everything in any any mafia film or TV series. (laughs) Because the thing is, like, the bar's been set incredibly high for those things. Like, it's one of the best genres. Obviously, there's going to be terrible mafia films because people want a piece of the pie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Generally speaking, Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino. Departed. Departed. Watched that the other day again. Departed's a pretty wicked pisser flick. Wicked pisser. Contemporary classic. Departed, contemporary classic, Wicked Pisser Flick. Sopranos, oh my God. Oh my God. It's the best goddamn thing that is named Twin Peaks. Uh, this isn't that. 
<laughs> nor is it wrestling. So why does it exist? It exists for you to do this, <laughs> yeah. which makes me so happy. It exists. They are literally writing for an audience of one, but for once, it's not Vince. It's it's ideal for me and for you and for Hamlet and for some mega fans, <laughs> some members of the family. But it's, like it's, 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 it's it's it is. <laughs> it is. It, it's it's the, the biggest shame of all this, knowing that Bruce Pritchard one million percent produced this because this is so his thing, isn't it? Is that not wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> is that had we not known publicly that Vince sold this, this would have been filmed on the sexy bitch. I know, I know. But we know he got oh. he offloaded that a few years ago, didn't he? So they've obviously had to go to boat. The, the boat salesman guy. Well, we're gonna have to close our doors. <laughs> Boats and goo. <laughs> We're back in business. The Catalina wine mixer. Catalina wine mixer. Catalina wine. Mixer. I watched that scene again. It's so good. Great. Because um, we aren't going to have time to do a preview. Thanks to the Queen, of course. God save the Queen. Um, we are off the rest of this week, so we won't have a chance to do a preview. Do you want to know my prediction? Yes, please. I think Cruz del Toro costs Legado. I think they toined his head and they kidnapped him the other way. <laughs> He realizes what the family can offer him. So much kidnapping on this show, isn't there? Also, I'm fairly certain one of the two goons just didn't have their accent at the beginning of this. They're like, what's going on here, Tony? What ball are we on? <laughs> and I was like, where have you come from? One oh, of, oh. one of, one of, one of Stacks and Two Dimes was still absolutely spot on, boys. The other one was just, it's like they hadn't told him that the cameras had started rolling. He was like, what am I doing again? Oh, yeah. Should we edit that now? Just keep it. Use it. It's fine. Exactly. Sweet, isn't it? Uh, speaking of Legado. Again, that was another Bruce Pritchard thing. Mm. It's got to be live. Everyone's like, you're such a lazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but his thing was, no, no, it's got to be live. It's got to feel authentic. It's like, mate, you're in WWE. <laughs> like, you know yeah. this isn't real. Is that right, is it, Bruce? Mr. Perfect. It's got to be live, has it? Like, absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 50 outtakes of the strike that you can't hit. It's got <laughs> to be live. They won't believe it otherwise. <laughs> Electra Lopez was in action immediately after this uh, against uh, Cora Jade. Uh, the story of this match, qu- story of quite a few of the matches on tonight's show, was a babyface uh, in peril or the smaller person getting chucked around a lot. Uh, the finish sees them fighting on the apron. Jade lands, lands a knee strike. Lopez falls backwards into the ring, uh, gets set up, and Jade hits that top rope sent on bomb thing for the one, two, three, and uh, more momentum for Cora Jade. Yeah, and I, the match was now right home about, but I, it wasn't bad. No, it was and bad. Do you think it was it bad? It was a crap wrestling match. I, I, they well, didn't look like they were fighting. They didn't look like they were working together well. I did, nothing looked violent. There was no emotion to it. It was a bit clunky. Yeah, it but other like, than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna say, I guess my bad on this is like, at this point, is horrifically botch-laden. And I suppose it wasn't that, but I need to have better standards than to just think, oh, well, it wasn't horrifically botch-laden. Just think, of, just think of the things it didn't have. Yeah. Intensity, emotion, emotion, good technique. They didn't have anything. <laughs> they're, they're telling the... Um, Is that a finish? Yeah. <laughs> they're telling the identical story with Cora Jade and Roxanne Presnell, aren't they? Yeah. Like, I get why she went 10 hours on a bus, because I did too. All that sort of thing. And they're going to have almost identical... Is that your trip down to London for the playoff final? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about... <laughs> sorry, you're talking about Roxanne and Cora. Megabus with cans. <laughs> like, that's, that, was, that was Cora Jade's life. I just got a megabus with cans. That's how I trained. Uh, aye. Similar stories. It's going to come a point where, like, the two identical friends that have had the same journey and all that, but there's only one NXT title, so oh. something's got to give. That's, yeah, that'll, that that might be all right. Like, Roxanne Perez could probably give Cora Jade her best match yes. today and put her over and all that kind of thing. Uh, Wesley's backstage, um, being asked about why he's 
facing I'll, Zion Quinn tonight. I'm shock it. I love all of this. Love all this, me. He's asked why he's facing Zion Quinn tonight, and he was like, quite rightly, I've been waiting to face him for weeks. He has, it keeps not being cleared. Um, but uh, he does not feel at his best, um, Wesley, of course. But he is uh, he's going to take the match whilst he can. And in walks the wise old head, Sanger, <laughs> who says, you should fight Zion Quinn the same way you fought me. You've got a giant heart. heart. Uh, and best of luck for tonight. I love this transformation of Sangras. I don't. I think it's mid- he was he was an stupid. evil, evil arm, an arm round the shoulder giant. Then he got great, dumped, man. dumped by Grace and Bloody Waller. Then he just hung around. Yeah. Then he accidentally offended Wesley, beat the shit out of him, and then you did well, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's just ruffling his hair. You have my respect. Yeah, it's absurd. I love it. It's yeah, yeah. it's funny. It's, I I will take like you got giants in wrestling at the moment, yeah. You got Omos lumbering through the 80th match with Bobby Lashley at a pay per view at the weekend. You got Satnam Singh ruining everything that's involved in AEW. <laughs> I will take an arm around the shoulder. It's different. It's weird. And like, he's like, you got my respect, kid. I lost 48 matches before I beat you easily. You have my respect. Like, they call me the new Dolph Ziggler. There's just, this doesn't happen a lot. And I'm, I kind of like watching it. And they're going to bugger it up. Probably. Royally, aren't they? Yeah. He's suddenly going to decide, you know what? No, I do hate you still. Wreck him. He's going to lose it. Like one week, like they're going to be. They, it's WWE. They they reduce these giants to just like freaks that don't belong in society. I can't take it anymore. And he just flips <laughs> a table on Wesley or something. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, then it was time for the vignette for Roxanne Perez because uh, despite, I'm fairly certain to being advertised, uh, they decided that the final <laughs> of the breakout tournament was going to be next week, um, which 
yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll allow that in terms of not the false advertising, although I'm not 100% certain that they did say it was definitely going to happen. We just all assumed. But if you're going to have these two vignette, vignettes, and we'll get to the Tiffany Stratton one a little bit later to remind people as to who they are and what they've come from and how they're coming into this final, then fine. Roxanne Perez gets put, put over. They show old footage. I just dig this sort of stuff out, don't they? Of her meeting Natalia and the Bellas as a kid and uh, talking about it always being a dream to be a WWE superstar. Um, she said, uh, whilst her friends were watching Pretty Little Liars and Stranger Things growing up. Growing up? I thought it was like last week those shows came out. <laughs> uh, she was watching Raw and SmackDown and she was, you know, a fan of Paige and uh, she went to Booker T school. She went on the bus for 10 hours. All of it just made her hungrier. Uh, she missed hanging out with her friends, going out, going to concerts she even missed her prom for wrestling um and the only person that understood what she was going through and why she was doing all this was cora jade she says look tiffany may be twice my size she may be much stronger but she's not as determined um uh, you know i've got the passion and winning this tournament would change my life and uh, i'm gonna act like it next week they've all got passion this character is the model developmental template, and it's just as well that Cookie Roxanne, yeah, just as well that Roxanne Perez is genuinely authentic. Because ordinarily, I would just despise all of this by default because I'm sick of being insulted with their terrible, plucky, one-dimensional characterization. But it's actually true in the case of Perez. They've got the footage. We know that things outside of WWE exist, so it's all broadly fine and not insulting and too, not too lame. I, I knew this day would come as well, and I I understand now why Roxanne Perez is a great wrestler with clearly like broader tastes. Because if she grew up watching Paige and Nikki Bella and Natalia, it means she only had to watch two minutes of Raw every, <laughs> like every week. She like, could have watched Pretty Little Liars. I, I knew, yeah, she could watch. I knew we were going to get in the era where it was like uh, let's like glorify the Divas era, the exact era that we buried six foot deep when we were like get rid of that ugly fucking belt and the real wrestlers are here. So shut. With the diva swimsuit contest because the wrestlers are here now. No, we're in the age range, right? It's like, uh, yeah, I used to watch uh, Alicia Fox on the light suplex once every six weeks, and I knew I had a dream. <laughs> like, uh, what an era to try and glamorize and glorify. Like when WWE themselves yeah. just buried it at one time or another. How old did you guys feel though when she said, "I'm growing up watching Stranger Things"? And I was that like, was uh, depression. That was depression. Manifest. It is like when people speak to us now. And this is depression manifest. <laughs> <laughs> when we you know, when we talk about like matches you watched growing up or the first feud that you remember and stuff like that, and people are like, remember uh, when the Nexus first started and that yeah. was my first thing and I was like, oh, that feels like it was about three years ago to me. So, sorry, fair, you guys are too young for uh, this era SmackDown video. And I won't be denied. <laughs> it's like uh, Julia Hart was born like after the invasion finished. Yeah. yeah. She's 20. I remember, I remember growing up, uh, putting on Monday Night Raw and thinking, God damn, I'd wish I could be in a two out of three falls match. The <laughs> uh, anyway, time for Wesley versus Zion Quinn. Wesley fights valiantly. Again, similar theme throughout here. Kicks uh, Zion Quinn down. I did like that when Zion Quinn just dropped him onto the ropes, ribs first. Um, bullies him, manhandles him all over the place. Uh, he sort of lawn darts him into the middle turnbuckle as well. Really like that. And that got a... I think I got a holy sh- chant from the crowd too. Um, Quinn does his sort of half hacker fire up spot as he's going to set up for that running punch of his, but he takes too long uh, and Lee counters him, rolls him up and steals one Michael Hamflet. It is the absolute favourite thing of the NXT agents at the moment is replace staring at your hands and shot kickouts and all that sort of stuff is plucky. Plucky, 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 plucky. Beaten, 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 beaten. And then either steal one or they come good with a finish at the end. It's 
there's there's too much of it. Or it's NXT, so when they find a thing and they do that thing, that's the thing. Yes. There's way, way, way too much of this. Um, so the work was fine, but already we're getting overwhelmed by these baby faces that just each, for like almost the entire duration of a match and then get the tiniest comeback. Roxanne Perez, as good as she's been, has almost been booked entirely like mm-hmm. this the entire time she's been here. So expect more of these. I think I was sort of like that as well this week, wasn't she? Yeah, uh, like it's clearly their favourite babyface shortcut at the moment. Aren't they very young? Aren't <laughs> they very young? And don't they have new tastes? And aren't they just not quite ready yet? But come on the journey with the young, cool people to whom you can relate. And just please watch the show. You get to see more action from He's them. When young, they're, when they're lucky up. former tag team champion Wesley. We are wild and young. <laughs> Chicks in America. <laughs> uh, Roderick Strong's backstage yelling at Diamond Mine. Ivy Niles tries to explain, no, 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 this is what happened. You you haven't seen the tape yet. Here's why they were out there. And poor bloody Julius took a belt shot to the head. And I did like this because rather it was logical. Roderick Strong was like, you should have just let me get hit with the belt because then we'd have got the DQ win. Yeah. Which is dumb, but you meant to disagree with Roderick Strong anyway. Mm-hmm. So it sort of makes a little bit of sense. Um, and he says, you know, we got to win no matter what. And that's why, Creed, you better win the tag titles on Saturday. Otherwise, you're off diamond mine. I'm not sure if he promised Ivy Nile would be gone with them or not. But either way, yeah, Creed's have got an ultimatum now. It just... Diamond mine's gone through more iterations <laughs> in the NWO. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's funny because I, I appreciate that as a criticism. I think this week they've actually finally made sense of all this. You made that point there. Roderick Strong admitting that he would be willing to take the DQ is suddenly... Like, they've finally shown that this is fundamentally at odds with how certainly Ivy Nile and the Creeds see things, and maybe Kemp, you know, which side of the divide the is going to... man. Well, they're fantastic, and everybody does, and that's why they're the obvious baby faces. Yeah. Ivy Nile seems to have this raw potential as well. So if nothing else, they're identifying who the crowd are likely to like, and thus adapting the babyface qualities rather than the heel ones, which Strong's exhibiting as this kind of, like, fallen, accidental leader of this ragtag group that no longer serves its purpose. This is the most sense, I think, that I might have made this week. Having said that, have you ever seen uh, John Oliver talking about uh, Adam Driver and how he wants to, like... Him to, like, crush my chest, you giant man, or whatever. <laughs> That's how I feel when I see Roderick Strong a little bit. You want him to bat break, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love him. He's so bloody good. He's completely wasted here, of course. But yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, Sid, I'm going to come to you next on this, because I know you've been ready and raring to talk more Joe Gacy stuff. Uh, he's uh, he's there <laughs> cutting a promo backstage. Uh, he talks, and there's, there's interspersed footage of uh, Rick Steiner and... Uh, the dates don't match up, but still, doesn't matter. Here's Rick Steiner, and here he is in WCW and inviting, to, um, you know, uh, Scott Steiner and you know, Family Feud and what have you. And uh, he wasn't there to raise Bron Breaker. And when he was, he just let him fight his brothers and just watch. And this made Breaker angry. And he, he directed that into football, and they showed him flattening some fools on the football pitch. Uh, and then he transitioned that into wrestling. He says, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And uh, Breaker's going to let his anger get the better of him in your house. <laughs> Again, right. Do you know what year Bron Breaker was born? I guess, like, well, how old is he? Probably. I'll go 98. I'll go, he was born in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll make him 22. I'll go up to 24. Yeah, we're somewhere around then. Bron Breaker was born on the 24th of October, 1997. Ooh. Okay. Right. He was minus, like, what, four? Yes. When 
the Steiners were in Japan and on the road and on the road and he was minus four years old. <laughs> he was four months old when Scott turned on Rick at that WCW pay per view in January night. Yeah, yes, a four month old baby going. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my year for me, Daddy. Hamlet, <laughs> how old? To, just to make, like, it's also a little bollocks, but I just want to prove that it's bollocks. How old were your kids when they first, like, me and Hamlet both take the kids out, right, until you're a parent, you never actually realise how long days are. <laughs> yes. So it's absolutely fine, in my opinion, to give the kids a bit of screen time. Yeah. Right. How old were your kids when you first just put them in front of CBBs, or they first started, like, enjoying it and asking for things that they liked and stuff? Probably, right, maybe three. Three. Three, four feels an estimate for that, yeah. Right. Rick certainly, Stein, when you, certainly when you could abuse that privilege and be like, oh, not more, Blue <laughs> So, Bron Breaker, imagine Bron Breaker as like, a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite funny. Right. He was three when Rick Steiner was a few months away from, right, Reckon WCW's main event scene <laughs> in 2001, like the final nail in that old air coffin there. And even then, when you're three years old, right, like, you don't have a comprehension of things. No. Like, seriously, like, even when you're, like, four or five, family members can die, and the kids are still that age mm. where it's like, they just kind of forget that they existed, and you have to remind them, like, yes, you know, great man of one has been lost and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. What I'm getting is that Bron Breaker would not have been sat there Watching WCW Sin <laughs> at three years old, going, Why isn't daddy here with me? He was six, sitting with his dad, going, Dad, why is that awful big nosed egotist burying Uncle Scott? Yes, <laughs> that's what he was. Yeah, when Rick Steiner was not a television yeah. wrestler anymore. So this is all a complete load of total bollocks, and they are actually using footage from absentee Rick Steiner. When Bron Breaker was like minus four years old. Bron Breaker would have been like about 10, maybe? 97, do you say? 97. Yeah, about 10, when Rick Steiner was joining Scott to do like one, two tapings a month at the Impact Zone to call the Dudley Boys fat. So he would have been like, free trips to Universal Studios. Oh, thanks, Dad. This yeah. is class. Like I can't Rick, believe my luck. Rick Steiner either got out at the right time or he was such... Generally, an abusive in-ring worker at this point <laughs> in his career that absolutely no one would touch him. No one would touch him. He was a complete arsehole in his last... He was, there wasn't he? he? Were, at I, the end of WCW. He knocked like, people about. Like. He knocked people about. And I love that in the context of people who are bang up for it, but he was like, he was uh, yeah. took the piss. What was the first uh, CBB's program that your kids liked? Oh, God. I'm struggling to remember now. Feels too long ago. Uh, Mr. Tumble. Something special. Yeah. My James really liked Ra Ra the Noisy Lion. Oh, yeah. Who was that little... I've already forgotten his name. This passes too fast. That little jerk loser kid who's got, like, the old teddy bear that hangs around with him. Huh? Such a dork. Like, is it Bing or... Uh, is it Bing? Bing, the little rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, he liked Bing as Bing well. Bing as well. Unfortunately, or fortunately, because it means... Like, James banging the football now. And Charlotte's, like, a, like a YouTube kid. Oh, he yeah. just watches that YouTube like Morphle. What an absolute load of rubbish that is. Oh, uh, yeah. They've binned off CBeebies for YouTube kids, and it's like, oh, this is why the BBC is the greatest thing we've got. So James went from CBeebies to a bit of CBBC, but generally just writing a football. Charlotte, having never been a CBeebies kid, is never going to be a CBBC kid, which is a shame. So I'll tell you why, right? You ever seen the program Millie in Between? No. It's a CBBC thing, right? The, the 
was going to call it the entrance theme, right? <laughs> the opening credits music to Million Between, I'm going to play it to you. It is incredible. Yeah. And I only heard it like two times before they just stopped. That's a shame. I'll play it to you. It's amazing. Yeah, the theme uh, to Katie's Amazing Machines, as done by da- Darkness. Darkness, yeah. Like, it totally it? rules. Yeah. You liked that one, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair, though, you know, Bron Breaker, Bron, Bron Breaker, you know, despises his father now, which is why he obviously, you know, inducted him into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's a lot of nonsense. Yes. Bron's in the locker room being asked about what he thought of this promo, and he says, oh, I'm not going to lose the title. I'm going to, you know, keep, calm, keep myself calm on Saturday. And keep then, calm, carry on. And then the lights <laughs> flicker. Jubilee appropriate, isn't it? And there's a cackling uh, noise of Gacy's laughter echoing through the room. Bron Breaker goes to smash a television screen before stopping himself and said, oh, it may be, you may be right, I might be predictable, but I'm still going to use that as a strength and rip you apart in your house. Don't do it too much. Yes. Within, no. within a five count. What a piss poor disaster of a story this has been for Bron Breaker. Like, it's NXT 2.0, it's so disposable. He'll beat him and then he's on, it's on to the next one, isn't it? Duke Hudson for the belt on TV again or something like that. But like, my God. What a mess they've made with Bron Breaker. I, I, like, I didn't think the Ziggler thing was ideal. He probably just should have won the belt back if that didn't deliver and like, maybe not even lost it in the first place. But nothing compared to this. No. Oh, it's disaster, greatly. <laughs> Speaking of which, NXT Women's Championship Summit was next. Oh, uh, you make this quick. Wade was in the ring. Uh, I swear he started this by saying the contracts have already been signed. And then the whole story of this was just sign the bloody contract. So oh, maybe yeah. he meant ma- you know management have already signed it, whatever. Um, Gigi Dolin goes to talk, and Katana Chance cuts her off and says, "Look, oh, all you've been doing is bloody talking for eight months. It's my, it's our time. We're tired of seeing you with the champions. Uh, we're going to maybe not- should have stopped going to music festivals and wrestled more. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. We uh, we're going to knock you off the mountain. Gigi said, "Look, I respect your confidence, but there's a long old list of people who you know we beat who can't even show their faces who had to leave because they weren't talented enough to hang with us." Uh, Wendy Chu, this would be a, a thing throughout. Just goes, just sign the bloody contract, basically. JC says, "Oh, you've got butterflies in your stomach. Uh, this will be your first premium live event. We've done loads. You you were watching, sorry, you were making cringy TikToks and playing Dance Dance Revolution whilst we were." Running just business, yeah, something like that. <laughs> you do not get to do business when, like, three weeks ago, you were doing a vignette on the beach, like splashing in the sea. You kind of like you just kind of just get it. I'm a sprinkler's business. Caden fires up. Kick you a wrestler's quad. <laughs> Says you barely. JC been... Jane and the freaking Gigi Dolan in the desert. Now I've tried to be good, but I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Caden says, you've already even defended the titles. Uh, JC mocks them. And uh, when she says, just sign the bloody contract. And it's time for Mandy Rose to say, she says, oh, I've heard enough. Uh, we're the best. The titles say so. Uh, the, pro- the superstar with the most pressure on isn't Bron Breaker, isn't Kim Grams. Uh, it's me. Sign the bloody contract. Uh, the pressure's on me. Uh, the crowd shouting, sign the contract or shut the F up or something along that. Along that. Those lines. Maybe Wendy belongs in Candyland or Neverland or some bollocks. Uh, everyone thought my reign would be short. It's been over 200 days. Put some respect on my name. Sign the contract. He finally does sign the contract uh, and says, right, there you go. Here's your contract. Sign it. She, Wendy signs it as well. Let's play your games. Let's run your mouth. We didn't see this one coming. It was a spitball. It was a spitball that they did as a little... You know, childish thing. You know, we've had balls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've had silly string. She hit her with the spitball. Big brawl breaks out, and the challengers beat up Toxic Attraction. 
uh, Katana and, and uh, Caden Carter hit the uh, dive onto JC and uh, Gigi, um, take Mandy out, set her up on the table, and Wendy elbow drops her through the table, and they all stand tall with the belts. Carnage! What was this charmless nonsense? Like, the, it's, this, has happened, this is a toxic attraction problem because they have tried to use these titles to make them seem credible. Genuinely, they're doing Undertaker, the version of locker room leader stuff. That's who they've always believed Toxic Attraction to be as long as they're holding the title. That's apparently proves it when it obviously doesn't. feels so fake, so, so fake. Mm-hmm. And Wendy Chu, who I, I admit, have completely run out of steam. It was fun. We knew it would, wouldn't be fun eventually, and now it's not fun. They don't even apply any sort of thought. Spitball is, I guess, in line with what she's been doing lately, but... What's this contract line over and over again? She was infuriating. She was just irritating. Wholly dislikable. Doing just sign the contract. Like uh, what was like? Who thought of that and thought, you know, Wendy Chu would do in this situation? Because it's not what Wendy no. Chu would do at all. Well, she's a bit lazy, so just very <laughs> sleepy. So maybe she just wanted to get it over with, so she could go to sleep. Look, I'm gonna add one thing to this. It's funny how they had a character on WWE television completely lance the idea of a contract signing being remotely necessary. Obviously, you have to promote the fight, but ultimately, you don't really need to do that. It's just a thing that they do, and she just made it made me realise, eh, never do these again. Never do these again. It's terrible. I thought it was absolutely terrible. Dialogue was atrocious. Toxic attraction are an abysmal act. One of the worst. Ivy Niles backstage working out uh, when Kiana James, who's I think was the one who's going to bring the corporate strategy to the wrestling ring. I think that's that one. Yeah. It's your thing. He's wearing glasses, so yeah. I, <laughs> she I, must be wicked smart. Must be wicked smart. When she says just business, it's actually just like something. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she says, "Oh, are you going to be? Are you going to even talk to the creeds after they lose to Pretty Dilly?" Um, Niall says, oh, "Well, then they're not going to lose. They're going to win." She says, oh, "I'll give them a twelve percent chance." And then she, I computed it. <laughs> Slams her up against the locker. We'll have a match a little bit later on. Then we oh, get... Oh, God, there's more of this. Duke Bloody Hudson versus Solo Sokoa. Um, so, Solo dominates early on. Sends him out to the apron, but Hudson gets a slingshot der- German suplex. There's an overhead belly-to-belly in there. Sokoa fights back, though. Simone drop, running hip attack. Superfly, Superfly splash gives him the one, two, three. Good, competent, not that exciting... Um, I can't make my mind up on Solo Sokoa. I, I just can't because I think if you wanted to do the out of nowhere, oh, like who's going to save the bloodline now? And then it's him and he runs in like main roster. I think he probably could. Yeah. He's got enough. There's Uso's chance here, wasn't there? Yeah, he's, he's absolutely got enough. But I, um, I, again, I just think this like men's mid card is super, super bland and boring at the moment. I'm not really seeing any sort of sense of progression. The matches aren't anywhere near as exciting. Again, contrast this to the main event in terms of how exciting the actual work was. And even if they're telling you, oh, like, this guy's, as they're literally doing with him, like, next in line, like, nobody really feels that. The, the, yeah, it should be. No, I, I, I completely agree. Put Sokoa in with the bloodline if you want to do something like that, because he's ready. Or is he's ready Certainly he's ever going to be. Like he, could, he could be a running guy yeah. for the Usos and Roman. Easy. And, uh, yeah, and then I'd have, obviously, Cameron Grimes retain against Mello, and then just have him have wicked wicked matches with uh, Nathan Fraser and, and Wes Lee. Yeah, but we get this boring sludge instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, time for Tiffany Stratton's vignette ahead of the uh, oh, women's breakout tournament <laughs> final. What to do downstairs after this? <laughs> <laughs> well, just sit back, close your eyes. And enjoy this. <coughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
Last week, I corrected the biggest injustice in NXT history. Actually, more like history of the universe. <laughs> How do you have a women's breakout tournament not put me in it? But of course, I came to my own rescue, and I saved the tournament when I took Nikita's spot. Now everyone feels bad for Nikita. Who cares? Good, ba- good leg, bad leg. It's not like she'd have went anyway. Now I'm where I belong, in the finals. This will not be the first tournament I've won. I have a whole trophy room, and there's there's shots of her uh, bodybuilding and and doing loads of gymnastics and stuff. I got a whole trophy room in my house filled with bodybuilding, travel, (laughs) chilling words. When you expect greatness to happen to you, (laughs) success pretty much follows you around like a personal assistant. I also work harder than everybody else, by the way, but I don't expect you average people to comprehend that. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about Roxanne Perez for a hot, hot minute? Did you hear her story? OMG, such an IRL. Her life is as exciting as a cardboard box. And then there was just a shot of a cardboard <laughs> box in amongst all this, which did tickle me. She rode a bus. Yeah, I did like this. She rode a bus for 10 hours to get to Booker T School. Sweetheart, there's this thing called an airplane. It was invented like 100 years ago. How much PayPal? Why don't you just buy a house? <laughs> she also apparently missed her prom, and I care why. Oh, I thought the same, to be honest, love. Uh, <laughs> she probably didn't even have a date. Ugh, I'm so over everyone loving her. Next where after I beat Roxanne in the finals, she can go cry on Lil Carjay's shoulder, and they can both watch me get handed that championship contract and then become the next NXT Women's Champion. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Your next week was bordering on, like, Tom DeLong there. Next week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah. I looked at my card to see if Grayson Waller was there, and I was like, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Well, good, very in-character stuff. I did like, that was a good line of like, why would you drive 10 hours when you could just fly? The box bit was the day-to-day collecting stamps. Yes. Like, <laughs> shot of a box, cut to. I just signed a cardboard box. A what? <laughs> a cardboard box? No, no idea, mate. A cardboard, oh, one of them. Yeah, got it now. Bloody ridiculous. Look forward to the match next week. Which we've already previewed. Yeah. Shall I just cut the audio from yeah, you? Like yesterday's pod. Please. What do you think? Error. Use the footage from last week. <laughs> right, another sensation. Ooh, just they were on a roll here because they went from this to Thea Hale. We called it Sige. High five, brother. Yes. Uh Thea Hale's there. She had a press conference. Do they do this? I think they I think some some athletes may do this. Mm. Um it was a f- I think the, the po- draft. Yeah, there was yeah. a thing I saw. <laughs> Anne Louise was watching a film called, was it called The Blind Side, I think. It's a good film, actually. Very right. emotional. Touched me, that film. Four stars. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so she's there. She's got these hats of all these prestigious colleges in front of me. And she announces she's going to be attending the University of Notre. No, this doesn't feel right. And she just clears the table, reaches underneath it, and pops the cap on for Andre Chase University, baby. Love this. Who could have thought it would have gone that way? Who could possibly react with this much enthusiasm? <laughs> I reacted the same way Andre Jace did, and he was like, oh, jackpot! Like <laughs> she picked the one college that exists in this strange universe. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Is it going to be... Yeah, I'm going to go with the, the one you knew that we acknowledge here. Uh, right, Grayson, Bloody Waller versus John... What's his name? Brigson. John Brigson. Um, out, he's 
comes out with Captain Wanks a lot and uh, Fallon Henley as well. <laughs> Captain Wanks a lot. And Grayson Waller says, you can take that bloody horse face out of here and take Henley with you. Ah, see uh, what he did there. Um, so he baits in uh, Brigson or whatever his bloody name is and cheap shots him. Uh, there's a, a double down moment and then out comes Sophia Cromwell and Robert Stone. We're bringing Cromwell and Jensen closer together. Yep. <laughs> what, do, what do women do? They ruin men's relationships. So say Bruce Pritchard and John are like yeah. this. Uh, Briggs makes a comeback, knocks down Waller. Then here comes Von Wagner. Uh, jumps up on the apron to cause a distraction. He gets knocked off again by Briggs, who then turns around into that mince jumping cutter thing from uh, from Grace and Bloody Waller. One, two, three. Uh, and uh, Von Wagner jumps Briggs after the match, but he also then gets called off by Cromwell, and also Boris Johnson makes the save. In contrast to the bland North American title scene, I like the stupid amateur dramatics bollocks section of the NXT midcard. All of these characters doing all their stupid nonsense, but in character, mm-hmm. performing these daft roles that they've been given. I've got like way more investment in this than the people supposedly fighting over about that matters. Like this, she's going to, Sophie Cromwell's going to split Brogs and Briggs up, isn't she? Like that's where all this is going like Grayson Waller gets to be Grayson Waller again with all of his stupid cocky confidence. They've seen that he's not going to be this. Uh, nobody can stand this guy in the locker room. They've just given up on yeah. that. He's like he's this lower card. Get rid of Gargano. Yeah, this idiotic concern. Like I, I had a good time with this. I'm desperate for a piss at this point. Ivan <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kiana James was next. Um, James actually got quite a lot of offense in here. She was beating Ivy Nile up, as I mentioned earlier, a bit of a an underdog fight for uh, for Ivy Nile of all people. Uh, at one point, Kiana James, James yelled at her, saying, "It's brains over brawn." Um, but uh, Nile fights back. She goes for a dragon sleeper that gets broken up. Uh, James clotheslines her down. Nile goes, you want to see a clothesline? He just nails her one with herself. Hits her with some kicks to the chest. Power slam, one, two, three. Then out comes Pretty Deadly, who congratulate her, but says, oh, I'm sorry about this, but we're going to be kicking the creeds out. Uh, that must break your heart. What are you going to do when the diamond mine closes? And uh, out come the creeds, and uh, it looks like maybe that Pretty Deadly were going to you know, attack Ivy Nile or whatever. But the creeds beat them up, and, uh, and Pretty Deadly have to bail out of there. Thoughts on the Ivy Nile match? It's just nothing, is it? It's, I just can't talk about it. Like, I don't care. I don't have a financial or personal stake in the progression of these performers. So when I'm watching just a nothing match, that's eh, it's not bad. Why would I care? Same complaint for me. Too plucky. Too mm. underdoggy. That's not who Ivy Nile is. It's okay for people, oh, to, a new thing, though, like people to be different and have their own in-ring characteristics, but she's had them, some of them taken off her. I like the, I like the story. Like, I like Pretty Deadly kind of rounding on her, and the stakes matter way more than just the tag belts. There's stuff on the line. Like, I, I quite... I'll I, I'll give them this when it comes to the creeds, especially, and Pretty Deadly. Like, this is in your house, isn't it? Like, the match is taking yeah. place in your house. Like, that was... Why feeling, would you do the breakout tournament final in your house? It was feeling like a show that you could skip quite easily. And they've added two matches on here with, like, stakes and ramifications that sort of matter enough that... And that have made them not... Predictable. The rest of the card was like really, really predictable. Titles were going to be retained. Matches weren't going to be good enough for you to go back and ha- like have to check out. Wasn't going to be a destination because I'm a complete idiot loser dweeb. These two matches they've added on this show has kind of made me want to find time to tune in mm. over an otherwise busy weekend just to just to see what turns out for these teams and these stables. Yeah, like I, I will give them that. 
If NXT shut down tomorrow and just said, look, the ratings are terrible, we can't do this anymore, I would not give a single toss. I'd be devastated. Imagine that, like, sort of, well, now we're never going to know who's going to hang out at Legado's or, like, Tony D's family, who's going to be in charge. Bruce Jensen going to get his uh, cock wet. <laughs> Basically, this new group is going to be the Hardy Andrade family office. And it was, that was, like, the worst thing in AEW for the longest time. It was terrible. The worst thing in AEW for the longest time. But those were standards, like, put these together on this stupid bollocks nonsense show. Let's just see how that yes. turns out. <laughs> like, that should express, like, the golfing quality between the two shows at this mm. point. Uh, we get another vignette for Giovanni Vinci. Uh, he's in a suit. He's got a car. He gives new meaning to the phrase world-class sportsman. Uh, and he's leaving his past in the rear view. Uh, he's sophisticated. He loves to show it. He's a refined man with a refined palate. Benny Vidi Vinci. We'll see where this goes in coming weeks. And there's main event time. And what a main event it was. Cameron Grams versus Nathan Fraser. Non-title, of course, this. And you've got Mello and Trick on commentary just slagging off Cameron Grimes at every opportunity ahead of the title match on Saturday. Um, yeah, just really enjoyed this. These two working together. Early on, Grimes gets taken down and then he trips Fraser and they both get up and stare at each other. Grimes gets sent into the ropes, but he runs Fraser over. Uh, Fraser comes back with this big drop kick and there's the, you know, they kept teasing the, Fra- the Fraser tope to the outside quite a lot here. Early on, as he goes to do it, Grimes slides in and just takes him out. Um, then just Fraser just starts going bonkers, flipping all over the place. Springboards, Rana's. Grimes has to go to the outside. This time when Fraser goes to dive through the ropes, Grimes moves. Um, Fraser manages to catch himself, but he gets kicked off the apron from Grimes to take us to a break. When we come back, uh, Grimes goes for a German suplex. Fraser gets out of it and hits a springboard moonsault into inverted DDT. Fraser comes off the ropes, hits a crossbody to Grimes. Um, the suplex attempt gets countered by Grimes, though, into a front suplex, and he runs him over, psychs himself up, runs in, gets hit with a super kick from Fraser, who uh, gets up, hits a standing moonsault, but this time Grimes gets his feet up. He goes for a German suplex. Fraser counters that into a roll-up and flips over Grimes off the ropes, but he, this time he gets caught with the urinagi. That gets a two-count. Both men are struggling to get to their feet. Um, they're on their knees. They're trading shots. Grimes... Sends him back down to his knees and starts kicking him in the chest as hard as he can. Fraser fires back up, gets an insiguri. Grimes goes for a powerbomb. Fraser turns it into a runner, gets a two count. Dives over the ropes onto Grimes after he'd bailed to the outside. Rolls him back in, but uh, as he goes up top, Grimes catches him up there. Hits an avalanche overhead suplex off the ropes. Hits the cave in. One, two, three. Cameron Grimes wins. Uh, and there's an attempted attack after the match with uh, Mello and Trick Williams. Uh, but that gets thwarted. And uh, it looks like uh, actually Grimes might might hit Carmelo Hayes with the cave-in before the, before the premium live event. But Trick Williams pulls his man out of there. And uh, they back off as the show closes. Nathan Frazier's could be the best wrestler in the world one day. He's probably not going to do this while he's in the WWE system. But he's still like disgustingly young. So he's probably going to leave and he's probably going to do great things. He's just unbelievable. Like, this is... He's what? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've tweeted something to this effect so the mega fans will forgive me. But like, whenever you watch even the very best aerial high-flying artists, there's always something that the wires are just about visible at certain points. Even the best practitioners in the very... in like. All of the world have little bits where, right, I'm, they're telegraphing this spot. They are moving into position to catch this person. They are signaling that they are going to catch this person. 
because their arms are outstretched. They are slowly doing the top rope when they're not that winded yet because they're waiting for someone to get into position. It's a style that, at its very best, creates a bone-deep excitement where you just lose your mind. But if you watch it detached, you can see the wires. Mm -hmm. It's just an inherent thing to the style that it's a concession you make to make it really exhilarating and awesome. Frazier doesn't do this. I don't know how he doesn't do this. The kid is absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Like, genuinely, I watched Pac quite early, but not that early. I didn't see him in the social clubs like Hamlet. <laughs> I watched Osprey very early. I think he could be better than either of them. He does things that he's just legitimately perfecting this art form. The bit where he's sprinting at full pelt, my ayad, out of the ring, and then realizes, oh, I've got no one to dive onto because the person's escaped seamless way to control his body to make it land on his feet. Mm. It's like not only is his body control and his actual physical athletic ability borderline supernatural, but it's always, he's always constantly aware of the risks of what he's about to do or he's about to take. And And he's not signposting it. Yeah. And he frets when people are going to do things to him. He doesn't just stand there. Every single nanosecond of what this kid does Makes me feel like he thinks he's in a fight, and he's—it's just a fight that happens to be fought using this breathtaking style. His uh, the AJ Styles thing that he does, where like the moonsault into the DDT, the the pace and accuracy is legitimately mind blowing. Aerial wrestling is so prevalent now that it's hard to blow your mind when you do it, but he blows your mind mm. in the details of how you can do it. He—I just wish he was in AW still. Yeah, I, yeah the. The pace and the connection and then the emotional impact as a result of that is, is yeah, it's unbelievable, but crucially not literally so. That's such a big difference. I was watching the other day for an article I was writing, the closing stretch of the Revolution 2021 Battle Royal and Ray Phoenix's sequence in that is, is that, like, Phoenix, every now and then, like, a wonderful aerial practitioner, but every now and then, as it says, like, you can see the Whiters, not here, where it was an absolute fight to the death. And you're just squealing, watching the immediate... Suddenly the ring is cleared, and it's the elevation of him being able to do all the spots. And the one that always gets me is the, like, how it feels convincing and you're drawn into somebody running across the top ropes to soccer kick somebody in the head. Like, if you're saying that out loud, it's yes. like, no circumstances can make that believable, and they find a way to arrive at that. That's the best comparison spot I can think of for the sort of spots that Nathan Fraser includes, where he uses his aerial attacks in ways that you just wouldn't think can possibly be, like, real. And wrestling is supposed to be real. All of this is still supposed to be real. And it takes a like a great opponent to keep up, and Cameron Grimes did as well. And he won't get the headlines here. And, but not all mes- matches will be as great because it does often depend who you're in where with it, who you're in there with us to who you can keep up. But yeah, Frazier is everything everything we saw the raw materials of in those like kind of like what now feel like freebie matches that he worked for EW a year ago. Um Seth Rollins as a trainer can hang his hat on his first success story effectively when you see how like how well Frazier's done so far in a system that typically kind of puts his thumb on growth. Um, aye, sky's the limit based on what scant evidence we've had. In, in a system that really does not encourage it, the, was it his debut match where you, even then you just thought like, eh, just uh, slow it down, slow it down. There was none of that on show here. Mm. So whether or not that was them allowing him, uh, like whether that was them taking the reins off or him just being like, I'm just going to cheat the system here. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to show you whether you want this or not. This is what NXT 2.0 needs to be. Certainly in its main event. Mm. Like, the undercard can be the undercard yeah. because the idea is you're supposed to achieve. But ideally, 
like I said at the start, the platonic ideal of all of this is that you have a main event that is just this total ripper. And it's like, man, if only these were getting this, the platform of a WrestleMania or of a Raw yeah. SmackDown, because then it like reminds you what this is. It's still a system. I'll say one thing before I really need to go for a piss is facials are pretty corny and he needs to work on that. Yes, mm. that's fair. Um, but yeah, a promising episode, I thought, of, uh, of NXT 2.0, especially considering this was a go-home one ahead of the premium live event. And uh, yeah, exciting times, I suppose, in terms of, yeah, that you've got these this this potential and, you know, we may, you know, lambast them certain certain times and whether or not these people should be on television learning. But I thought they did a, did a, did a lot on this show and it's exciting now they're going out on the road as well, which is only going to benefit so many people as we constantly come back to. But yeah, really enjoyed NXT this week. Uh, let us know your thoughts on it on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, although they're going to be all over the place for the next few days because we're off for four days straight, basically. <laughs> But we'll come back to this. We'll, we'll no doubt discuss uh, the fallout from uh, from In Your House on the NXT preview next week. Maybe we won't even have time for games. Now we'll always have time for games, of course. We'll be back later on today with a Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. <laughs>